engage conversation and discusses challenges caregivers face with experts in all fields. She is a sought after speaker and author who has been featured in publications, including CNN Health, Barron's and Next Avenue. And she has received caregiving.com's Visionary Award in 2021. In addition to leading a monthly Daughterhood Connection Circle as the Director of Content and Strategy for Daughterhood, Roseanne oversees ensuring that Daughterhood's content is well-organized, easily understood, and practical. It is a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Me too. I really have. Uh, And it's interesting because we both interview experts and, you know, we have a podcast on caregiving. We've both been caregivers for our moms Mm -hmm. and the journey into this space is an interesting one. So I want to ask you before we get into the nitty gritty of your caregiving, how and why did you start a podcast? Oh, well, when I was caring, I kept finding these things that would say, you know, um, don't forget to take care of yourself. And, um, um, you know, here are all these resources and here are these things. And nothing was resonating with me. Nothing. And if I heard somebody say, you know, don't forget to take care of yourself one more time, I think I was going to poke myself in the eye. <laughs> like, it just, it, it because, you know, when you're, you're caring, I'm, I was caring for, I have two children. I had a husband that traveled and my mother. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I was lucky I could, you know, sit up straight, let alone find a way to care for myself. So I I just was frustrated, quite frankly. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to create what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. I, I want, I want to hear about, yes, yes, I adored my mother and I loved caring for her, but I was burning out. Mm-hmm. I was exhausted. I was upset. I was worried. I felt like I was letting everybody in my life down. I never heard that from anything. I never heard that from a podcast. I didn't hear, you know, this is how you feel. Like I thought I was failing Mm -hmm. because, well, I look at all these other people and like they're going on vacation and they're doing this and they're doing that. And I can't do all that. There's no way. There's not enough time in the day. So that's what started me into, I'm just going to create this. And I had started a daughterhood circle in January of 2019. And when I started that circle, I would hear you know, we would get together and people were saying the same things. And I'm like, well, if you feel that way and I feel that way, we're not being represented. Mm-hmm. Yep. So then in November of that year, I did it. And I didn't know how I was going to pull it off. I mean, I have a, I have a background in communications in college and I knew that I could do that part, but I didn't know how I was going to, you know, pull off the reading the book, setting everything up. You, you know, there's a lot that goes into a podcast. And that's why I did it monthly, because I figured I could do it once a month. I can do it weekly. I'm not doing yeah. twice a week. Like, the, yeah. So that's how that all came to be. It was simply out of necessity. And passion, right? And I think that truly shows in your podcast. I know even some people in my local area that I know as colleagues and friends have been on your podcast. And I think it's so cool because it's like, Oh my God, I know that person and you're (laughs) in the States and they're here and like it, but it's great. I think you touch on so many different professionals that people need to hear from and you get it too. And that is exactly what brought me into it is the void. Right. And, and people wanting to hear about, 
more and and wanting to be understood. I think you right. hit that on the head pretty well because you're right. There was, I think it's getting a little bit better in social media, but there's still very few of us and we need to raise awareness. So good for you. I think it's great. We do. And it's, it's that, you know, Ann Tomlinson who created daughterhood um, had always said, you don't have play groups for your parents. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your, you have your childhood friends, you have your mommy friends. You don't, there isn't this group that we can get together and say, I'm caring for my mother. Isn't this like hard? Isn't yeah. this now there's always that balance. There mm-hmm. are, there are beautiful times. There are joyful and fun times, but there are those moments when you think, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm going to continue to do this. And I need something. And that's where, that's where that, that community comes in of, Oh my goodness, you too, you yeah. feel like this too. And yeah. that's, that's the whole idea. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I kind of laughed in reading your bio because you said fiercely independent. And my mother was also, I don't know if I'd say fiercely, she was fierce. <laughs> um, and I know what it's like caring for somebody fierce. And that adds a layer. So maybe you can tell us a bit about who your mom was and and what caring for her was like while you were caring for your kids in that sandwich position. Sure. Um, my mother was a light, truly. And I know people say that about their moms, but she just, she was as beautiful inside as she was outside. And she, um, she was the youngest of 12, grew up on a farm. You know, the whole thing came through the depression, like the whole thing. I was her change of life baby. So she had me a change of life. So, um, you know, it was different because m- my friend's their, their moms were like 20 years younger than my mom. And, um, but she was just, she was just fantastic. She was funny and, and smart and everything. And, you know, my father died, um, right before my 17th birthday. So, uh, from pancreatic cancer that he was diagnosed with two weeks before. Oh so <laughs> yeah, it was, it was whiplash. It was whiplash. And so from that time, it was, it was me and my mom. Like we were it until I got married, you know, nine years later. So we were that twosome. We were intertwined for good or for bad. We were intertwined. And we had moved to um, an area where she was a beautician. Okay. So her beauty salon was in this uh, shopping center, as was the grocery store and her bank and the dry cleaners and everything. So everything was there. She didn't need a car and I was living at home. So she stopped driving and I became her de facto chauffeur. So we would go everywhere together. We'd go to visit her sisters. We'd go to the doctors. We'd go to um, shopping. We'd have lunch. Like it was that type of relationship. And um, she was just that, you know, having that, having that happen. She was 56 when my dad died. So to start over her life as this newly independent woman who, you know, coming out from all living through that generation, you got married, you had children, that's what you did. So here she was at midlife figuring out who she was. And it was wonderful for me. I witnessed that and thought, wow, mom, good for you. Cause that starting over again is hard. So, um, she did that. She, 
um, found a, a, a wonderful man who they spent the next 28 years together, never got married. She was like, I'm not getting married again. I was like, good for you. And they would ballroom dance every weekend. So she had this life. And she just, it, it was it was her being. It was her, it was her inner being of, you know, when you, we would go out and there would be somebody who would, a cashier who would be like a little surly and she'd say, boy, I love their blouse. Where'd you get that blouse? It looks beautiful on you. And immediately that person would be like, oh, you're speaking to me. Like she was that kind of a person. She was a connector. And, um, but she always, you know, she, she would walk to work. She would do her stuff. She would do everything herself. So when it came time where things started to change, it was hard because she was used to, I've got this because she had to be, it was just her. And that it's hard when you're trying to help um, in those situations because it is, this is my domain. Now, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, when people say, um, you know, you, you, you're, I don't know, if, if there's something dangerous. It wasn't like that, but it was very much, I've got this and this is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go, okay. You know, and it's, it's hard. Um, it's hard because you want to respect that, but you can also see that things are different. And, you know, my kids, uh, growing up, my mom was always around and she was, we were always all together. So, but then when she would, I would always try to make her appointments like at one o'clock. So then I knew my kids were at school. I could get her to the doctor I could get back from the doctor and then still, you know, you mm-hmm. have to time it all right, yeah. right? And it used to be in the morning. And then as she was aging, it got to be later. And then it was more stress. Mm-hmm. And I, I would always say, I wish I could either clone myself or have a helicopter. Yeah. Or a time machine. <laughs> or a time machine. <laughs> Something. Something. Yeah. Because you just, I couldn't be in two places at one time. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you continually have to, and the stress that that causes, you don't realize it because you're just doing, I mean, listen, you know, you, you do, you just keep going, yeah. but it, it wears on you. Yeah. I imagine also that given how independent she was, she didn't let go of that control very easily, nor did she make it easy for you to take <laughs> over some stuff. So no. No. How did no. you balance that with her? Um, I, I just tried to, I tried to kind of do it on the sly. So I would do things that were kind of like on the side a little bit so that she wouldn't, oh, yo, you got that? Oh, thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. No problem. I picked it up on my way or whatever. I would try to slide things in so that it didn't look like I was actually helping. It just kind of showed up that way, you know? The smart caregiver. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you're also an only child like me? No, no. I'm the youngest of four. Oh, I'm the youngest four. of four. So I have three siblings, but they're much, they're eight, okay. 14, and 16 years okay. older than I am. And so were they participating in the care or what did that look like? Well, um, in the beginning, my mom... Um, noticed her memory was slipping and my siblings didn't want to acknowledge that because again, she looks great. She's very active. 
So it's fine. I forget things too, they would say. And I was like, no, you're not, you're not getting it. <laughs> like you're just not getting it. So it was hard because they were firmly planted in things aren't going to change. She is great. She forgets things every once in a while. Um, okay, well, okay, this might be a little strange and that might be a little strange, but you know, we all do strange things. And I'm like, no. So what happened was I just stopped. I stopped even trying because you can only do so much, right? You can only bang your head on that wall so often. So I just kind of tried to go forward. And I was the one that took her to her doctor's appointments anyway. And it didn't matter what I said because they weren't ready to accept what was happening. And I couldn't change that. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, I just kind of went with it. Even when I first moved her into my house, they would be like, when are you taking her back to her apartment? I'm like, you don't get it. She's not going back to her apartment. Yeah. And that type of thing. And it's, it's hard. It's hard because you feel it. I think then is when you start to feel the isolation. Yes. Because you're isolated even in your own family. Yes. Yes. And it just adds. Yes. And it leads to such resentment and anger over time, which even after the caregiving is done can cause a lot of turmoil and breaks in relationships. Absolutely. What is your relationship like with them now? It's, it's fine. I think towards the end, my mom was living through the, the pandemic. So it was a really hard, hard, hard time because there was nobody, nobody could come in. And I mean, I'm a lot of fun, but after a few months, it gets a little old. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I got to the point where I just, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even dabble in those feelings of angry and resentment. I couldn't, I didn't have enough energy to spare for it. So I got to the point of realizing, you know what? They are where they are. Mm -hmm. um, this is how they have to accept this. And I have to be okay letting that go because it's only going to hurt my, me. You know, it's, it's, that, it's that hot stove you keep touching. Stop touching the stove. And, and that's, that's where I got like, okay, well, that's fine. This is what, this is where you're at. This is what you can do. Fine. Yeah. And that's the way you have to survive in this almost. So, you know, it, it's those, it's those two choices. You can, you can try to have a meeting, you can try to talk it out, but if that's how they feel, that's how they feel. I can't yeah. change how you feel. It's often interesting to me because there's three of them. And I, and, and, you know, as you know, very well, this happens a lot where for some reason, there's always usually one person who comes forward and gets it. Not all the time, mm -hmm. but a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And then the others are just kind of off together in some other place. Yes. Which to me is like, what? Because there's four of you. Right. And and there's often several, and it doesn't have to be siblings, it could be cousins, it could be aunts. Right. And there'll be like one aunt that steps forward and then the other ones are like, nah, or, mm -hmm. and I find that so interesting. It, it's, it's fascinating and it happens over and over again. And I always yeah. say, and listen, I know there's siblings that get together and they pull together and they take shifts and all of that. I know that that exists. 
I kind of feel like it's an urban legend, but that's okay. I I know that it exists. But for the most part, it it does. It falls on one and it's it's hard to to navigate through that because there there do there does have to be those those feelings because it, it comes down to if you can't help me with our parent, are you what are you gonna help me with? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's hurtful. Um and you just have to you have to try to work through that in in whatever way works for you. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not I don't believe in the, well, you have to talk to them because no, no, I, I don't have to do anything because I have to survive this because caregiving is hard yes. and it takes a lot out of you. And we know that, you know, a lot of times caregivers pass before who they're caring for. You hope that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And even as daughters, we get sick, yeah. you know, because of that stress, because of all of that grinding. So we have to take care of ourselves. Because we still matter in this equation. Yes. You know? Like boundaries underlined by 700 lines. That's exactly yes. what you're saying. And it yes. put up that where you need to put up that barrier because if you get in it too much, it sucks you in. It like sucks there's you no, in. There's no middle ground there. There, there really isn't. There really isn't. And you have to, you have to conserve your energy. You have to conserve your strength because you're on all the time. And that's the other part that people forget. You're on all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I see these charts that say, um, you know, the average family caregiver provides 22 hours of care a week. And I'm like, I I don't know who you're talking to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know who the person is that you're caring for. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I don't know where you're getting 22. Like, are you kidding? And especially, you know, my mother had vascular dementia. When you're caring, when you're a dementia caregiver, you're on 24-7. Yeah. You're so worried that when you're not with them, you're worried about them. Exactly. You think about them. Yeah. Yeah. It's constant. And you can't just, it's not, you don't just turn that off. And then if they're not sleeping, you're up all night. I mean, hello. Like, it's it's a whole thing. So, uh, you know, yeah. those, those, those charts with those hours, man, no. Mm-mm. Well, those are, I mean, someone who's not a caregiver is creating those charts. I don't know where they come from. I know it's really funny or, or your care. I don't know who they're care, Like, I don't know who they're caring for. I really don't. I don't, I don't. And I don't know if they're taking like, okay, it takes me, you know, 2.4 minutes to open up the pills and, and distribute. Like, yeah. I don't know if they're looking at that, Right. but living with the person who has dementia, you're not leaving them by themselves. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're just not. And, and even like, so that's all they get up, you're up. So you might not be actively caregiving, but you're still caregiving. Yeah. And that's the part that gets missed. For sure. And that it's in your mind. So it is 24 seven. And on top of that, you had your kids. Yes. And what people don't seem to realize, it's funny because I work in a hospital half of the time. And I will say the word sandwich caregiver and I work in general medicine. And so you think that the people I work with would understand what the concept of sandwich caregiver is. It was never mentioned once in their education. They're like, what is that? Or someone even came up to me the other day, a doctor came up to me and said, have you heard this term sandwich caregiver? I'm going to give you literature. I was like, 
I don't need your literature. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Like, <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but yeah, people, it's it's like this new wow concept. And I and I think when I see that too, and I, I'm sure you can relate, it's like, wow, are we in this world in our, our own, you know? Yeah. Yes, we are. Yeah. 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 And it, it's, I, I don't understand how you don't know that. No, but they don't. They just don't know it. It's, it's this unique concept. And I think it's insane to me because we see yeah. so many caregivers on the unit. And I mean, this is a whole separate topic, but it might be about not taking the time to ask these people what they're doing or who they're like, right. they just see them in that moment. They don't ask or care. Some don't right. care. Some do about their right. lives outside of the hospital, but it's an all intensive job. And anybody who's in it knows what that's like. It's insane. It it's is insane. Well, and I would always tell my friends it, it's, it was like dating four people and I live with all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. And they each know how much time I spend with the other one. Yeah. And the dynamic, they all want you at the same time. Yes. And then not just them, then you're managing extra people who need to come in and be with them, whether it's the tutors for the kids or the programs for the kids or the PSW for the parent. It's like, okay, which person is on my phone right now? Like, where's my master calendar with seven different people on it? Because you, you wear so many hats and you have to be on top of everything. Yeah. And yeah. it's nonstop. And, and you're having a conversation with one of them and another one. And it's like, oh, hold on. And it's, and then you come back and you're like, okay, wait, uh, uh, wait, what, where were we? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and yeah. you're, you're all over the place and it's hard. It's also hard. Like when my mom, when, when things started changing, my oldest was 11. My youngest was eight. And when we moved her in with us, they were, my oldest was going into her senior year and my youngest was in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And there was so much that was always, always happening. It was just constant. And you look at it and, and you think, okay, so I have finite time with both of these groups. Mm-hmm. My kids are only this age, this time. They're going to grow up. They're going to grow out. My mother is here right now and she's going to grow up and she's going to go. And you're trying to balance both of these things in your hands at the same time. And you can't even grasp them. No. And the guilt that goes with that is, I don't, I don't know how we measure that. I don't know how we release ourselves from that, but it's, it's so hard because you always feel like you're trying to make up for those moments, mm-hmm. do you know? And then, and my poor husband, it's like, oh, hey. <laughs> I oh, t- you're I here. Think, I think we talked like two weeks ago, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How's it going? Right. Yeah. What, what's new with you? Everything yeah. good? Okay, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> you went to work? <laughs> yeah. That's... yeah. Did, you, did you get a haircut? Yeah. Uh, it's like... <laughs> I know those poor, those poor people. I mean, my husband too. It's like, it is. Yeah, I I know. I know. So you went through all of that and now you're raising awareness. You're in this space. You're creating change. Is there something that you could tell other people that 
helped you get through or that helped you survive because it is survival. It is survival. It absolutely is. And for me, it was finding those people that understood because, you know, your friends don't always get it. No offense. You know, if you're not, you know, caregiving is one of those times where people, you know, when people say, well, you have to experience it. Caregiving is one of those times because inevitably anybody that I talk to would say to me, I didn't really get it until I was in it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's how it is. Um, and then, you know, it's like, what, what do I do? So I think you have to find those people. And that's where support is so huge. Mm-hmm. For me, it was a daughterhood circle. And because it gives you that opportunity to be with these people who go, oh, I get it. I know that when you say, oh my goodness, I'm so exhausted. Why are you tired? You don't get why are you tired? You get, oh, I know. Yeah. Of course you're tired. How could you not be tired? Right. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. that understanding. It's the validation so that you don't think you're actually losing your mind because sometimes yeah. it feels like that yeah. because the world is moving on and you're sitting here and the world is moving and you're like, okay, well, hello, what, how do I do this? How do I, how do I deal with this? And it's, it's finding that group of people that understand that. The isolation is so detrimental because, and I I think, you know, everybody felt that during the pandemic, right? It was four walls and then it was a phone booth because, Mm -hmm. and everybody was going crazy. And and when people would be like, oh, I'm just going to redo my closet. It's like, I'm still doing the same thing I was doing. Only now it's like, I have nobody coming in. Yeah. You're stuck. You're stuck. So I would say that I would say, find the people that that you can connect with, that can give you that support, that can validate where you are. And if they're not in your life, find them. Yeah. And if there are things that you do, you know, we get, we get stuck when we're caregiving. We get stuck in that, well, this is what I always do. This is what we've always done. It has to change. Mm-hmm. Whoever you're caring for is going through a change and you have to go with them in that change. Yes. Don't try to be pulling them back to where everything used to be. You're only going to hurt yourself. You have to be with them in whatever moment they are in. Mm-hmm. And that will alleviate some of this stress because, you know, especially, and, you know, I, I, I talk about this with dementia. You have to meet them where they are. You have to. You can't say, well, she used to like to do that. Well, she doesn't anymore. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work anymore. And that's okay. It's that other part of that's okay. Yeah. You're making me chuckle because to me, that's like the epitome of denial. And mm-hmm. my dad is, even though it's been so long, my dad is still gets an, oh, every day. He dips his foot in denial for half the day and then he's <laughs> out of denial for half the day. And you'll literally, it'll be like, I'm talking to two different people, but I completely <laughs> hear what you're saying. Well, you know, seven years ago, this right. is what happened. And it's like, right. Seven years ago, like seven years ago, she was walking upstairs doing her, what are you talking about? But it is that place where people hold on to this person and it's too painful for them to go there. So they hold on to the person, but exactly what you said, it's detrimental to both of you because unfortunately that is not the person anymore. And you're not the same person anymore. No. And, and when you do that, you're missing it. Yeah. 
You're missing what's happening right now. And I completely get it. It can be heartbreaking. Yeah. It's sad. It's heartbreaking. You wonder, wait, how did we get here? Yeah. But you're here. And there are still those moments. There are still those times where you can connect and you can still be, have that feeling because it's, it's all that feeling, right? Even, even when words are gone, even when, when everything has changed, you still have that feeling and you can still connect with that feeling. And that's what you have to focus on because there still is joy. There still is love. There still is love. I mean, you know, there were times my mother, if she didn't know who I was, but she knew that whoever I was, she was having fun with. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's put Sinatra on and we can talk about how handsome he is. I don't know. Do you know? (laughs) We can sing along with Frank. Like, that's okay. Yeah. Because that's where that's where you are. Yeah. And I want to put out there that the reason you and I can kind of laugh about this is because we've been we I definitely had my moments of denial. I had my moments of like, I have full on breakdowns, thought that I was going to die. Like there was no way I was going to do it. But you do get to a place eventually hopefully once you go right. through that for so long where you can, you have to we kind of have to laugh about it because it's, we were there too. And it's like, Absolutely. whoa, and we see it. And now we have a clear view, but I don't want to demean people. I'm not, you know, belittling no. people. I'm not demeaning people. And I want to put that out there that absolutely it's, it's a place you have to get to, and it's not an easy place to get to, but it, if you're stuck out of that place, it's going to make everything worse. It, it is. It is because you're fighting against it. You're yeah. fighting against it. And there's, you know, you have to live in the end, yeah. right? You have to live in the, this is really hard. And, uh, you know, I love my person or yeah. I respect my person or I want to help my person. You have to live in both sides. Yes. And that's part of the tightrope that we all walk every day. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it, it just goes with it and you have to, you have to kind of go with it. And it's going to change. The the only thing that we can count on is that it's going to change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's it's hard, but the the there's an underlying current through caregiving that I don't think we talk a lot about, which is grief. Yeah. And, you know, when when you're dealing with someone who's grieving, you wouldn't tell somebody who's grieving. Well, you know, you should go out for a run. You'll feel better. It's like, okay, I, I no, I don't think so. <laughs> and. There is all kinds of grief in caregiving, anticipatory grief, the, the, the real, real, the grieving of your person, the grieving of your life with that person. I mean, you know, pick something. It's, it's, there's all there. But we have to acknowledge that, that that is a part of this. Mm-hmm. And you have to be gentle with yourself so that you can try to find what works for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I mean, I, is, it, is it watching, you know, cat videos on YouTube? then do that. Is it listening to music? Well, then do that. Whatever it is that that gives you a little something every day that you can continue forward is what you is what you do because it's it's your journey. Yes. Agreed. I completely agree. When you look at the guests for your podcast episodes, how mm-hmm. do you decide what area you're going to bring someone in is are those places you wish that you had explored as a caregiver is that what you do or how do you find the people you have because you have such great guests thank you thank you i appreciate that um it yes it's a lot of times um when i was starting out and i was like there's there's all of this you know judy cornish is is um for dementia i just i love her approach mm-hmm. 
um, she she says, you know, don't focus on what's lost, focus on what's left. Mm. And I love that. I love that. And I remember I thought I, I have to have her on. I've got to I've got to have her on because, you know, that's that's really where it, it, it all lays. So there's things in my head that I think, you know, in behaviors and dementia, um, uh, caregiver burnout. Um, what happens when you don't like your person? And you're caring for them, estrangement. Mm-hmm. So there are are the it's almost like a running list in my head of this, this, this. And then I reach out to people yeah. and see if they want to do it. Um, sometimes I have, I mean, a lot of times I have people that want to be on mm-hmm. um, to talk about whatever, mm-hmm. um, their book or something that they have that they've developed or or something like that. So I try to, I really look at it as, is this going to help the harried caregiver yeah. who's got, you know, this much time to to pull something out and listen to is it going to help them Definitely. and that's my criteria yeah i think that's so great. i think that's yeah perfect. thank you so as i told you at the beginning i uh-huh. pull something out of every episode and you gave uh-huh. a really you gave many many good tidbits but the one i really liked um because i think it's something that's not often said is when you were talking about your siblings and where they were at, you said they are where they are. This is how they have to accept this. And it's like, if you keep pulling at it, it's like you keep touching the hot stove and stop touching the hot stove, right? You have to stop getting back into it over and over again and create that boundary, which is really hard. But I'm glad you said that because it's so true. It is. And it's something that I think people can really take with them. So I'm, I'm highlighting that. I love that you said it. <laughs> Good. Thank you. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so where can people find you? We've mentioned your podcast on Instagram. Tell us where to find you. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Daughterhood, the podcast. Uh, my website is daughterhoodthepodcast.com. Um, you can find me on daughterhood.org in the podcast section. You can also find circles at on daughterhood.org for we are going virtual now. So there are more ways to connect, more ways to connect people to each other. Um, yeah, you can reach me at any of those. I monitor them myself. If you'd like to send me a message or ask a question or anything, I'd be happy. Would love to hear from you. Roseanne, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Stephanie. It's been it's been great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Caregivers Compass. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. I'm Stephanie Muscat. Have an uplifting day and I'll see you next time.